More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody, to the Buck Sexton Show. And we have a very exciting guest. We always have a very exciting guest, but particularly exciting this time. Roma Daravi is with us. She worked on the Trump 2016 victorious presidential campaign. She also worked in the Trump White House and now does uh, political communications and strategy uh, of her own. Roma, good to have you on. Thanks for joining. Of course. It's great to be with you, Buck. All right, let's 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 start. The, the big thing right now is it's interesting because there's a couple of levels to this debates, right? Trump has said, and I, I want you to tackle these for me separately. Trump has said that he may not even be willing to debate if he's uh, like really far ahead of the competition, which is interesting. And then beyond that, uh, I wonder if how Biden will react to this as well. Will Biden, if Trump is a nominee, debate him? But let's take these in order. Trump in the primaries. What's his position right now? What do you think of this possibility of debates not happening? Well, look, I think there's a whole lot that you have to tackle in that. Uh, For starters, Trump doesn't really have any serious opponents at this time. Uh, Everybody is talking about Ron DeSantis. But as of April 1st today, uh, he has not announced that he's running for president. So at this point, everybody else who is running against him has Uh, less than 5%, not even double digits in the polls right now. So Trump is absolutely leading. His numbers are going up every single day. I have no doubt in my mind that he is going to be the front runner for the Republican Party. So if he's saying he doesn't want to do it, maybe he's saying it's a waste of time because there's no one else to really talk to. But I, I mean, it's only spring. The debates don't start until August, right? We only know about a couple of them right now. There's a whole slew of them that are going to be announced. Really, anything can happen. I wouldn't uh, go and make a bet just yet that he's not going to be on that debate stage. It would probably be a losing bet. I would go ahead and assume that he will be up there, uh, mainly because he's so good at it. I think it would be a loss to him to not be up there. Uh, So many people have fond memories of President Trump up on the debate stage, making everybody else look like idiots, I might add. So it really is up to him if he wants to do it or not. But I think it's too early to say if it's going to happen. Do do you have some uh, just either anecdote or or data you can share uh, because you were working on the 2016 campaign? Clay and I were just talking about this on radio. We're thinking about major debate victories in presidential debates, right? And, and we were talking about Trump 2016. Actually, the first debate in 2012 between Romney and Obama, which I think people forget, but that was a, a total, uh, you know, just wipeout uh, of, of Obama by Mitt Romney, which I, right now to say that is almost, but if anyone goes back and watches it, they'll remember. But in 2016, Trump and Hillary, did you see a bump after that? Because one of the things that comes up now is, do debates really move the needle? In your experience in 2016, did the debates move the needle for Trump against Hillary or was it the rest of the campaign and the debates were kind of an afterthought? 
Well, the debates are a really interesting environment because you tackle these very serious policy issues. And if you have a good uh, person running the debates, they'll go through every single one. They will talk about everything from the economy to foreign policy, and they will press the people that are on that stage. At the same time, debates do offer a platform that's a little bit less um, stagnant, right? So it's very fluid. Everybody that's up there has a chance to really show who they are to the American people. Uh, Donald Trump did a great job of doing that. He knew his facts. He knew his stuff. He went up there and he made really strong arguments on the policy side of things. And he took time to actually make a few jabs at Hillary that, in my opinion, really helped the American people realize he's just like them. He knows how to throw a punch. He knows how to crack a joke. It makes him seem more real to the American people. So I think the debate stage is a really interesting environment. I would love to see him up there. Uh, I do think it helps him as a candidate when talking to people like Joe Biden, uh, right? So it really, the compare and contrast, you can only believe your own eyes at that point, rather than listening to the left media and whatever lies they're telling you. If you're looking at Donald Trump standing next to Joe Biden, the strength is right there in front of your eyes and the weakness is standing next to it in the current president. Do you think, I mean, we all remember the Biden Biden 2020 campaign, right? Where it's like he wasn't, oh, because of COVID and he had a double mask and right. all that stuff that, that he didn't really do a whole lot of campaigning. Um, but it feels like it would be a whole nother level of, of Hyde, Hyde and Biden if uh, he refused to debate Trump as the Republican nominee. Do you think, I mean, from a, just a, a comms perspective, do you think that's a serious, that's a serious possibility? Because it seems like people are already raising that maybe preemptively, like, you know, Joe Biden, he's not even going to platform Trump. That's what I've been hearing by debating him. Right. Well, Joe Biden had a really interesting environment, like you mentioned, when he ran last time. Not only was it COVID, but he had the Obama administration as his backdrop for the campaign. He had Obama's so-called uh, wins from the administration that he could run on. But the Biden administration has had failure after failure after failure, both regionally and on the national stage. So this time around, He's going to have a really tough time hiding Biden, uh, hiding Biden, right, like we say, in the basement, because he does have to kind of go out and take charge and try to make a case to the American people that he's done a good job, when the reality is we know that there's uh, just a bunch of negatives that are on his call sheet. So it's really going to be tough for him to hide this time. But I will say that the Democrats... Uh, they're kind of the party of staying in line, right? They're really not the party of freedom. That is the Republican Party. That is why we as a party have a tough time speaking from the same song sheet, whereas the Democrats have no problem uh, reading the exact same phrase over and over again. It's the socialist mindset, it's the communist mindset, it's the Democrat mindset. Unfortunately, nowadays it is. So they do a very good job at staying in line. I don't think Joe Biden is the one calling the shots right now. I think somebody will tell him whether or not he's going to debate and whether or not he's going to be out campaigning. But the left media is really who is pushing the narrative for him. So they have an advantage, the left. If he does stay quiet, then all 
the Americans have to go off of is what the mainstream media is telling them, which is a bunch of lies, unfortunately. So I really am urging friends, family, neighbors, everybody to pay attention to as much digital content as they can moving forward. Um, outlets like yours, Buck, that are streaming, things that are not just on their TV on cable news because they need to find a variety of content if they're really going to get the facts moving forward. Uh, Roma, I want to come back and ask you to just make the case to everybody who's listening or watching about why. I mean, you were there in 2016, and I think the big thing for a lot of people is, is this going to be 2016 in terms of the result, or is this going to be 2020 in terms of the result? I want you to tackle that for us when we come back in a second. But first off, I got to say, you just have to have life insurance, everybody. Something you need to get done. I mean, I got married, or married, married, married. <laughs> Sometimes weird words come out, Roma. Married earlier this year, um, and I realized that I had to get life insurance done. So I, I had this same moment where I was like, oh my gosh, I got, I've got to get life insurance. Policy Genius gives you a smarter way to find and buy it. Policy Genius was built to modernize the life insurance industry. Their technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance that starts at just $25 per month for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer coverage in as little as a week and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius has licensed agents who can help you find the best fit for your needs. They work for you, not the insurance companies. There are no added fees and your personal details are kept private. Uh, your loved ones deserve a financial safety net. You deserve a smarter way to find and buy it. That's what Policy Genius gives you. Go online to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. All right, Roma, for Republicans out there who maybe they are Nikki Haley people, maybe they're Vivek, maybe they're Ron DeSantis, and, and they just worry that Trump won't be able, they love Trump, they voted for Trump, but they think that Trump won't be able to get it done in 2024. What's your, what would be your pitch to them? How can you help? sell those people on this is going to be a victory for the GOP with Donald Trump at the helm. Well, I think if they're being honest with themselves, they know who is going to be able to win this election, and it's Donald Trump. If you talk to anybody, even the people that have concerns, they still love him, like you said. They still know that he's the winner, uh, that they all know and love. And so I really do think that if you focus on the facts and the policy, he's the only person that can get it done. Uh, the Democrat process is a beautiful thing. I'm really excited to see a, a wide pool of candidates jump into this thing. We've never been in this position before in America in the modern day to have a former president in an unconsecutive term running again for office. So this is a really exciting time in American history. I think that people should pay attention to every little detail that they can, because what you're voting on right now is going to impact your children and your children's children. When you look at the differences between not just the Republican candidates, but Democrats and Republicans as a whole, you really do have to focus on the larger picture. You can't just pick and choose what candidate you want in the primary because candidate quality matters. And there is a reason why Donald Trump was able to accomplish so much in his first term in office. He has the strength. He has the guts to stand up to our foreign adversaries. And he's not scared. He's not beholden to anybody. You look at the money and 
you really follow the money in politics is something that I've come to know and appreciate over the last few years. You'll realize who stands with you and who is simply a mouthpiece for the people that are donating to their campaign. So Donald Trump is a really, really unique individual that is not beholden to anyone. And he does speak his mind, whether you want to hear it or not. He'll tell you the truth. He'll tell you what's going on. And that's the kind of leader that we really need in America right now. Obviously, Joe Biden's age is a major concern, but it's a major concern in part, not just because of the number, but because of what is visible, which is somebody who is... I mean, just to put it nicely, to be very polite, not up for the job. Others would say he's, you know, senile, has dementia, etc. But he clearly lacks energy. They can't schedule meetings. I think it's they, they can only schedule them. They're saying between like 10 and four. No work outside of 10 and four for the president of the United States, commander in chief. It seems like that's uh, should be a bit of a problem for people who actually care about what's best for the country. But of course, the Democrats don't care. And you're right. They have a communist mindset. So. As long as they're in power, the leadership doesn't really matter. I bring all this up because you know Trump. You spend time around him. You've known him for years. You were there back in 2016 uh, as well. How's his his energy, his health, his vitality? Is there any concern that anybody should have that he is not as old as Joe Biden, obviously, but that his age is an issue? Not at all, Buck. And I've said this on your show before. I'll say it again. Uh, Trump is the energizer bunny. When we were at the White House, everyone around him is constantly just trying to keep up. He's absolutely on top of everything. He's healthy. He's active. He's uh, cognitively with it 100 percent. And there's really no comparison to Joe Joe Biden right now. So um, if you put the two side by side, it's an easy call on who's going to win. But when it comes to age and numbers, um, Trump has always had a ton of energy. He always will be honest with the American people. He's the he's the person really picking up the phone and calling people at six in the morning, seven in the morning, uh, four in the morning, two in the morning. I, I tend to question when the man sleeps or eats or anything uh, because he's constantly in communication, getting advice from different members that he trusts and communicates with. So uh, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that he is up for the job, that he's got the energy to do it. And he's absolutely the person that we need in charge. And I don't just say that because I worked for him in the past. I really do think that he's the leader for the future. I think it's always an important um, marker as well for whether somebody would go work for a person again, having had them as the boss. So if Trump wins, and you see very confident he will, which is great, Good to hear. Had some other people on the show recently who uh, who are very Republican who have voted for Trump who have their concerns. Um, so it's nice to have somebody who ha- has the confidence level that you do as somebody who just doesn't want to see Joe Biden continue to wreck the country for four more years. Um, would you go back and work in the Trump White House for a second term? Oh, I would be honored to um have that offer given to me. It was absolutely a privilege and a blessing to be able to work in the Trump White House. Uh, Those years I will cherish for the rest of my life. Um, If I have the opportunity to go back, I would be so blessed to do so. And I think that everybody should have that mindset of being a civil servant, because regardless if you are a career politician or not, that should be the mindset if you work in politics. It's not about you. It's about the mission. 
It absolutely is with Donald Trump in charge. And if we have more people around him that keep that mindset, the country will be a much better place. Joe Biden has, I, I want to say around 80% of his staff worked for him and Obama in the past. It's some exorbitant number of career politicians that are at the helm of the government right now. Doing what? Destroying it. The people that have been in this industry for decades clearly don't know what they're doing. So if you can have people people that are passionate, people that want to devote a few more years of their life to try to help turn this country around and get it in the right direction. Uh, absolutely. More power to them. And I hope they do. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Now, I do want to ask you, um, the staff around Trump right now in the campaign and the people, you know, one thing that Trump has been, I think, very, he, he has honestly shared that there were some personnel mistakes in the past, right? That there were some issues with some of the people who had worked for him. I mean, Scaramucci and Amorosa. I mean, they're people that have made effectively careers of, of going after him after having worked for him, which I just think is a very... Um, it's a very dishonorable thing to do to go work for a, a White House and then try to sell books or something afterwards by by trashing the person that you were supposed to be helping serve the American people. But is is there any sense that you have that this time around, you know, they will have a little bit more of a uh, refined list of who should have access to the president? And, you know, you may have seen he's going to be going on CNN next week in a town hall does he just relish the opportunity to like fight with the libs? Like what to, to me, it seems like that's they're going to, they're going to ambush him. I mean, not like that's, it'll be the millionth time they've done it, but you know, I, I, I don't know. I guess I'm asking, is the approach going to be the same or do you feel like he's shaking things up a little bit, both in terms of personnel and the way he deals with the media, which is kind of related. One of the things that I have absolutely found fascinating about Donald Trump is that he is not scared to have a variety of advisors around him. Uh, I think that that makes for a tremendous leader. Uh, if you have so many different viewpoints coming your way all the time, you have every option if you have different viewpoints. And then as a strong leader, you can make the right decision. When it comes to staff, uh, we did have some leakers last time around. But I will say that going into a second term with this gap in the middle does give us the opportunity to pick out the people who have, like you said, made themselves known. They've written a book or they've taken a job on a TV show where they are daily talking about how they don't like Donald Trump anymore. So I don't think any of them are really hiding. They're all out there in plain sight. Uh, they will not get a job with Donald Trump in the future. And I won't name names. I learned, uh, you know, from one of my favorite women in politics, one of the smartest women I know, Kellyanne Conway, said that if you are talking about individuals, uh, there's no substance to that conversation. So I won't name names. I will move forward and say that I think the president makes strong decisions when it comes to his staff and his leadership. And the mainstream media is having this uh, frenzy around the conversation that 
former Trump staffers are leaving to go work for a pro-DeSantis PAC. Need I point out that many of the members on Trump's current team are former DeSantis staffers. So if you want to have that conversation, it's going to be a losing one for the media. They will come to find out very quickly that uh, Trump has a lot of former DeSantis people that are working for him, that know him very well, that have been around DeSantis for a very long time and have chosen not to work for him again. So that's an interesting narrative that you're not hearing about. It really is at the staff level. And um, I don't know that it's necessarily important for the American people to pay attention to, because like I said, Donald Trump is the clear front runner right now. DeSantis has not announced. And so we need to focus on the reality of what we're living in currently. What do you think about the CNN town hall? Uh, is this just I, I feel like it's weird because Trump broke CNN <laughs> as an institution, like he broke CNN. I mean, Don Lemon is gone now, but CNN also kind of needs Trump because they have what does CNN exist to do without him? So I can oh understand why from a ratings perspective and a relevant, really a relevancy perspective, why they would want to have this town hall. But I mean, you worked on the comm side for the Trump White House. Like what does Trump, what is he going to want to accomplish by doing a town hall at CNN. I'm not even sure who the moderator is. I assume it's Blitzer or Tapper or one of those guys. But, uh, you know, what's the upside for him? Like, what's the thinking behind this one? Well, Trump definitely brought back uh, the ratings to TV. There's no way around that conversation. Everybody with eyes and ears could see that TV was declining before Trump decided to run for office. I don't know if the platform would even be what it is today. Network aside, just the entire media platform, I don't know what it would be today without Donald Trump. He really did revive the industry. If you talk to the reporters at the White House right now that are covering Joe Biden, they'll tell you that they're bored. They don't have anything to talk about. They don't get any information out of him or their White House that's currently there. Uh, they're ignored by the staffers. And so Donald Trump really does help the industry absolutely 100%. But one thing that people forget is that, yes, he is absolutely the leader of the Republican Party, but he also speaks to Democrats and independents very well, might I add. So if he's going on CNN, it's because he and his team inside have done the polling and the data and they have the numbers to prove that if he goes on that platform, it's going to be a benefit for him. Donald Trump is extremely calculated. He is one of the smartest people in the world. And there's no way that he would be doing that if they didn't already know that it would benefit him in the long run. Let's come back in, in a second, Roma, and talk about the economy with everybody. But first, let's let's just say for everyone out there, if you're feeling like you need a little extra energy, a little boost, you got to check out Chalk. This is a company that provides all natural supplements that help restore energy and just day-to-day potential to get through it with all you've got. It's a daily supplement formulated to help men who have lower testosterone levels raise those testosterone levels. Our diets and stress just don't make for the same kind of biochemistry that it used to for us. And that's why we need some supplementation these days. Chalk's leading ingredient in their male vitality stack has proven to restore 20% of the lower testosterone levels in just three months time. You'll feel the positive effects and experience an energy potential you haven't in some time. Chalk produces their products with a high level of purity, which makes it potent and impactful. That's why the Chalk Male Vitality Stack is as effective as it is. Sign yourself up to take a delivery of Chalk's Male Vitality Stack or any of their other products available via subscription. Get 35% off any Chalk subscription for life when you use my name, Buck, as your promo code at the website. 
So go to chalk, chok.com, promo code buck for 35% off your chalk subscription. That's chok and use promo code buck. You'll get 35% off your chalk subscription. All right, Roma, I saw you on Fox Business. Well done, by the way. Talking about, uh, um, I'm not sucking up, by the way. Roma and I are friends. I'm allowed to say this to her. She did a good job. She did a good job. Um, so tech. I, I, we were talking about tech. Yeah. So you were talking about tech jobs and everything else. And tech jobs are being, they're hemorrhaging tech jobs right now. And the banking sector crisis is something that people feels like aren't really paying very much attention. Here's, here's a thesis I want you to run with. If a Republican were presiding over the collapse of Silicon Valley as the primary engine of like the NASDAQ and the stock market in terms of growth and people just hemorrhaging jobs out of the biggest companies, the deterioration of the commercial real estate market, which is happening in San Francisco and other cities, I mean, massive deterioration and the biggest bank failure since 2008. I feel like it'd be a bigger deal. And I feel like you were trying to make that point on Fox. Absolutely. When you look at the broader economic environment, people should have their eyes open and be concerned. People should be paying attention to this, but it's just simply not something that the media has decided to talk about. Uh, the Biden White House is gaslighting the American people. When they talk about this issue just today, they mentioned that the taxpayer is not going to have the burden of saving these banks that are failing. That's not the case. Anybody with a basic understanding of what's going to happen right now knows that this is going to eventually fall on the taxpayer. And we are already struggling with inflation. We are already struggling with the current economic environment. And it's going to fall on those who need it most. It's going to go to the lower class citizens that are really going to carry the brunt of this burden. So it's extremely unfortunate that uh, Joe Biden hasn't found a way to be honest with the American people because it's causing confusion and chaos amongst the community. Do you think the GOP on a just a nat, you know, at RNC level national messaging? Because he, here's my here's my concern. We had a weak economy going into the 2022 midterms inflation at a 40 year high. And it didn't translate into the victories we had hoped in some you know, very close Senate and, and House and, and gubernatorial. Really, the Senate races are the ones I'm most focused on. There's some gubernatorial races, too. Um, and everyone always says, oh, it's the economy, stupid. Well, apparently it wasn't the economy. You know what I mean? Like, apparently there was some other stuff going on. Or was it that there hadn't been enough of a connection made at the national level by GOP voices to explain what was going on? And, and you know, how how do you assess that? Like, why didn't the weak economy in 2022 turn into more victories and how could it in 2024? Yeah, I hate to give credit to the Republicans or to the Democrats, I'm sorry, but they really do a good job of staying on message when they're in an election cycle. And they did that. They really pushed these kind of uh, tear jerking issues like abortion uh, in the states where they knew that it was going to be a tough race for Republicans. And they were able to push that over the finish line. It's something that Joe Biden is making a key part of his current reelection campaign, which I find to be very odd and um, and honestly upsetting. But it, it's something that is effective. And the Republicans are going to have to learn how to sing from the same song sheet if they want to have, uh, you know, overall widespread um 
victories come this next election cycle because it does matter it does make a difference and it is it's local issues it's grassroots issues but it it is the same at the national level when you're talking about states like arizona where you had such a tough time winning that senate seat i mean it's the lies that come from the left that people have a really hard time seeing through especially because the media is amplifying those lies. It's really very tough. And it, it has to be something that we focus on with our message moving forward, or it's not going to have a, a positive outcome. Again. What do you think are the three places, or I, I shouldn't put a number on it. Just tell me what comes to mind when I say the places where Trump can make gains with independent voters in the upcoming election based on the issues as they stand right now, I know, you know, we could be at war with China and, you know, no, the future, who knows. Right. But based on what we're seeing right now, I think it's just helpful for people to know what the template will be to win over those in those independents in Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, Pennsylvania, and, and, you know, the handful of states that matter. Yeah, it really is going to come down to the issues. And I think that you'll see if you pay attention to the state and local politics, there's been a large turnover uh, on attorney generals, on state council, even something as small as school board members have been flipping to Republicans, uh, vocal Republicans throughout the country. So I think those things are really going to make a difference when it comes to having a good um, ground starting point for a presidential contender for President Trump when he is uh, in the general election across the country. But he had some very strong numbers when he ran in 2016. And I think you're going to see that come back mainly because Joe Biden has shown the American people just in a matter of over two years that they can't get the job done, that they cannot do anything that is going to help your family at the kitchen table. And those things make a difference to the voter. Um, the left, again, really kind of pulling on those those lies that they talked about when they're speaking to suburban women. Uh, but there's a large part of the population right now that's paying attention. And it's going to be the young voters. It's people our age, Buck. It's uh, Gen Z. It's millennials. And so we really do need to do a good job at paying attention to that section of the voter population, because if we don't, it's going to be tough to pull out a win. Um, you know, this isn't your grandfather's political party anymore. It's not your grandfather's economy anymore. Um, it's a totally different ball game, and we have to get with the times if we're going to be successful. I want to ask you as a Californian, a comms person and a Californian, uh, about <laughs> Gavin about Gavin Newsom to close us out here in just a second, uh, Roma. But Ew. first off, yeah, yeah. Well, it'll give you an opportunity to tee off on things a little bit. So it'll send us off with a little bit of a little bit of pep in the step. But but first off, I got to tell everybody um, uh, this doesn't apply to ladies out there. But for the guys, you notice my beard it actually was gone. Now it's grown back. But you know how I get rid of it, guys? The one blade, one blade shave. You need to check out this razor company. Big razor companies out there have been lying to you for years because they say more blades is better. No, that's just because those are low quality blades. That's why you need three or four or eight or whatever. One blade shave uses one razor because it is super high quality, which means you have less skin irritation, gets a closer shave for you. It's what I'll be doing later today before I go on Fox News tonight so that, you know, I'll look like I actually got up and, and did my job today and didn't just wake up a few minutes ago. One blade's handle is metal, not plastic. It is weighty. It is substantial. It's worthy of a man's face. One blade refill plan means you get blades sent straight to your door whenever you need them. Get a discount on your blades with your sign up. 
All orders have a 60-day return policy, whether you use all of your blades or none of your blades. To elevate your shave experience, get 20% off your one-blade order right now. Go to onebladeshave.com slash buck. That's one spelled out, O-N-E, onebladeshave.com slash buck. You will get 20% off your first order. All right, Roma, California, so much good about California that we could talk about, right? So many nice things. The politics, though, awful. Gavin Newsom is the governor. There are those out there who make the case that Gavin Newsom could be either part of a plan to push Biden aside or if Biden, you know, he's 82 years old, can't make it through to the election. Obviously, there's Kamala Harris, but maybe maybe they want somebody they think could actually win in a general election. Ergo, Gavin Newsom. Do you think Gavin, first of all, do you think Gavin Newsom wants to be president? And does that thought terrify you because you think it's a possibility? You're reading my mind. It's absolutely terrifying. He absolutely wants to be president. I don't know that the man has a uh, single bone in his body that wouldn't do something to make himself more famous and rich. And running for presidential election would certainly put more money in his pocket and give him a larger platform. So, Yes, he wants to run for president. Uh, Do I think that he is going to win? No. Do I think that he should run? No. Do I think that he should resign? Yes. (laughs) I hate him. He's terrible. Um, And I, I, I literally never talk about that about anybody. But he he is absolutely doing everything he can to hurt the American people. The people in California deserve better. I can't tell you how many family and friends have left the state of California because they just can't stand his policies anymore. It's terrible. And he's grooming the next generation of politicians as well. Uh, We had some really terrible redistricting done in California and my home district in Orange County ended up flipping blue again. We have Katie Porter as our representative right now, which makes absolutely no sense. But one thing that I will point out is I don't think the left has rules for themselves anymore when it comes to respecting the current leadership in their uh, in their team. So Katie Porter, who is very, very close with Gavin Newsom and Nancy Pelosi, announced just 72 hours after she became a congresswoman that she's running for Senate. There's no open seat in California. So how disrespectful of her to her current uh, sitting senator to say that she's going to run for her seat when Feinstein hasn't even resigned yet. So what's going on over there is certainly tumultuous. It doesn't make any sense for them as a party. I think it's an opportunity for us to kind of play with the turmoil and uh, gain some seats because of that. I'm very excited that a friend of mine uh, maxforoc.com has just announced that he's running for Congress. He's already raised over $150,000 in his first week running, all small money, all small donors. Uh, so I think that there really is excitement in the state of California to gain some of that freedom back, to gain some of that uh, America first policy in the state. And I, I don't know that it's necessarily going to happen overnight. But I have this conversation with Larry Kudlow often, and he makes fun of me for it because I have a bleeding heart for California. But I do think that we should not give up on the state. I think that we need to pay more attention as a party, as Republicans, to California because there is a lot of ground we can cover there if we focus on certain areas. There's a lot of money there. 
We know that as a party, we get a lot of our donor dollars from the state of California alone. Uh, both parties do, but the Republicans do as well. So when people call it a blue state, they're really not paying attention. They're just listening to the megaphone that's coming from San Francisco and Los Angeles and ignoring the farmland in between. You know, Kevin McCarthy is our speaker from California, and he's doing a really amazing job helping the American people see what Joe Biden is doing and also making progress when it comes to protecting our rights and our values as a country. So if we have more of that at the local level, it will only help the party as a whole. And it really wasn't that long ago that Florida was considered kind of a purple blue state. Now look at it. I really think that California could be the same way. Roma, where should folks go to follow your work and see more of your commentary? At Roma Daravi on Twitter and Instagram. You can find everything that I do. I post it all there. Fantastic. Roma, thank you so much. Thanks, Buck. Great to be on with you. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.